Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Time now for the College Football Inquirer with Dan Wetzel. They're their friends. It's cronyism. It makes no sense. It doesn't make financial sense. It doesn't make logistical sense. It doesn't make competitive sense, economic sense, nothing. SI's Russ Dillinger. There were some brawls or real close to being some brawls. It was like, this is what college football is all about. But let's take another 11 years off, right? Let's take another 11 years off. Come back to us in 2033. And SI's Pat Forty. 25 of 31, 368, two touchdowns, 202 passer rating. It's not just that he's good. He's a Heisman candidate, Dan Wetzel. He's a Heisman candidate. Here's Pat, Russ, and Dan. I welcome to the pod week one, baby. You know it's good when Iowa wins the game 7-3 to three and doesn't have a touchdown. Ooh. That's a hard seven, as they Parents. say at the draft table. Yes, yeah. <laughs> hard. <laughs> Somebody had tweeted, it's, no like, seven it's hard like an eight-card blackjack. It's like hitting an eight-card blackjack. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think that was Brett McMurphy. Oh, Brett, yes. It was really the game of the day, because you'll see all this other stuff will happen. Yeah. But seven to three without a touchdown. <laughs> Kirk Ferentz is just trolling us at this point, right? <laughs> yep. He's such a, a master of college football. He's like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm kind of bored. I've been here like 25 years or something. I think I'm going to win the day seven to three. <laughs> it's like a boxer calling his round. I'm going to carry the guy. I'm going to knock him out in six. <laughs> and he told the underworld, like some guy in a, in a Kansas City uh, deli in the back room knows what, you know. <laughs> Watch this, guys. I'm going to win seven to three, and we ain't scoring a touchdown. <laughs> Kansas City, Delhi. I'll tell you this. There was only one team that punted ten times on Saturday and won. That was Iowa. There you go. Seven inside the 20. Ten yeah. first downs and yeah. ten punts. Unbelievable. Yeah. Incredible football game. <laughs> oh, it's just impossible. You just can't do it. Um, yeah, their punter, uh, uh, Tory Taylor, 10 punts, 479 yards in punting. Seven landed inside the 10, two touchbacks at a 57 yarder. And he was actually, uh, also great punter, South Dakota States aptly named for South Dakota. As far as I'm concerned, Hunter Dustman, <laughs> What's his name, Hunter Dustman. It's very South Dakota. Uh, he had 11 punts. 
So quite a game. Anyway, I that 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 to me was the result of the <laughs> of the day. Kirk Ferentz just playing with us. <laughs> we don't want to show Iowa State too much offense. We'll keep it hidden, right? Yeah. <laughs> okay, boy, well hidden. Really well. Keep hidden. it hidden. Don't give them anything in the playbook for the Cyhawk next week. Let's just punt it every time. We'll get a couple. We'll touch do enough touchbacks. Eventually we'll sack them in the end zone. <laughs> it uh it was so engrossing in a weird way that I was I was like late getting to Columbus. I'm staying uh <laughs> northern Cincinnati. Uh it's about, you know, 200 miles from Louisville to Columbus. I go halfway, stayed there, got to my hotel, turn on the noon games. And I'm like, okay, you know, I'll leave to make sure I get to the stadium like two and a half, three hours early. There's going to be 100,000 people there. It's going to be terrible. And I could not leave. I was so engrossed when there anybody was going <laughs> to score a touchdown that I ended up, you know, just totally mired in traffic around the horseshoe because I had, I was late because Iowa refused to score a touchdown. It was well worth Fantastic. it. Fantastic. Good job, Hawkeyes. It was. Good job, Hawkeyes. Mesmerizing. If I had a top 25 vote, I'd give them one just for that. <laughs> They're eleven in the SI poll. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I do a bonus oh, 11. 11. and so they got the they got the eleven, which they usually get to some team that did something kind of unique or extraordinary, and they did they did something unique and extraordinary. I think you could say <laughs> field goal in the first quarter, safety in the second, safety in the fourth, or safety in the third, safety in the fourth. Three o two two. There's a baseball like the start of a baseball game. Uh, they got the starter out by the fourth, and uh, yeah, no, it was great, great job. All right, we'll get to week one. We've got Ohio State, uh, Notre Dame. We got the the SEC versus Pac twelve quote unquote challenge. We've got the uh, we got a whole bunch of stuff. We got mayhem at Appalachian State, but briefly, and I think we can expand on this longer on Tuesday. But in classic college football fashion, the powers that be of college football who who are such great marketers. They know how to seize the national dialogue and break, release massive news about their sport at the most opportune times to seize the news cycle. On Friday afternoon of a holiday weekend, decided that they would vote against the wishes of their own commissioners (laughs) to expand the college football playoff. Like, seismic moment in the history of college football. 4.30 on a a Friday afternoon, of course. (laughs) And yet these people employ... High-powered publicists. <laughs> yeah, they're paying Ari Fleischer how much? Yeah. <laughs> what? Hey, I know a good time to do. This is when you release the the bad. Uh, our 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 company did leak poison into the water <laughs> by the by the children's home, and we did know about it. But have a good weekend. Sail on <laughs> ground beef. <laughs> College football is like, hey, we're gonna do the biggest thing we've ever done. Uh anyway. Ross, you were in on breaking this. What is the uh, what's the quick details here? <laughs> the details are they they decided and approved uh, a playoff format that was proposed 15 months ago, and uh, for the last 15 months, commissioners have spent uh, squabbling um, over little tiny issues with the format. Um, but suddenly, uh, the three that voted against it back in February have come around. Interesting how that happens. I, uh, I think that, uh, and of course, the three are the Alliance three, the Big Ten, uh, Pac-12, and ACC, although I do not think 
the alliance is something that still exists anymore after the USC UCLA stuff. But uh, they've they've come around, and because of that, uh, they were able to arrive at unanimity. So we've got a 12-team playoff that's starting at latest in 2026. Uh, they're going to try their hardest to start it sooner. It would have been easier, guys, for them to start it sooner if they had decided in February uh, that they were going to do this. But instead, the vote was stymied again by the three conferences who have suddenly come come around. Uh, and so so here we are. So they're trying to rush to get it past in 2024 or maybe 2025. I think 2025 is more plausible. Uh, 2024 is 27 months away. In Atlanta, from what I've told Atlanta, which is hosting the title game, there's some issues if they push it back a week, which you had have to in an expanded playoff, that they might not be able to host it. So there's some real issues with 24, but at least uh, um, at least by 2026, at the very worst, we'll have a 12-team playoff that uh, seeds, uh, you know, grants automatic berths to the sixth highest-ranked conference champions, doesn't designate Power Five or Group of Five. And then uh, we have we'll have six at large, and first rounds are played on campus. Yay! Hey, hey, there's a lot to like about it. It's good. It's progress. It's it's something yes. we've all wanted and think was the best thing to do. The way it came about is just hilarious and classic <laughs> college sports. I, I mean, the old you know the saying in the army is "Hurry up and wait." You know, get ready, get ready, get ready. And then sit around, well, what the heck happened? Why aren't we doing anything? Why aren't we doing anything? And then, oh, we got to go, we got to go. And that's kind of what this is like. Or for those of us in the writing profession, we need your story in six days before it's going to (laughs) run so we can thoroughly vet it and look it over. And then nothing happens. Then all of a sudden it's like 12 hours before publication. Hey, we need you to answer this, 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 and this. That's kind of what this feels like. It's like the presidents were finally just like, all right, we're done with this crap. Let's go. And we're not just, we're not only going to just explore it now, we're going to fast track it right now. So I'm glad they're doing it. As Dan said, that like the the, the rollout is just, just comically stupid. Friday afternoon, it's like all of a sudden, like, what, what, really? There's, they're actually going ahead with this now? Uh, but all they do, wait, wait till Tuesday at 9 a.m. and roll it out with a big thing. Yeah. And we're talking about like, it all week. And let me, let me, let me piggyback on that. And I don't think it, I, I haven't written it. I don't think that anybody else has reported it. And it's not anything huge, but it does speak to the timing. There were at least one conference, if not two conferences, that wanted the wanted the vote delayed just because of that. They wanted to push it to next week. They didn't want to roll it out on a Friday afternoon before Labor Day, before week one. But I'm telling you, and I wrote a little bit about this, but Mark Keenum, the Mississippi State president, the SEC representative and the chair of the board, he went in there and he was coming out with a decision. That's what I heard. I mean, it was plain and simple. He he got them together and he said, we are not delaying this anymore. And I don't blame him. I, the rollout is crappy, but it's crappy because they didn't decide it in February. And you can blame three conferences yeah. for that. You know? Yeah. No, he's a hero. He's a hero. Yeah. Look, it's done. That's the important part. <laughs> yes. It's going to happen. This is what needed to happen. The 12-team playoff plan was an excellent, excellent plan. You had smart people spend a lot of time researching it. And they came up with a great idea. Okay. And the home games are going to be absolute game changers. I, I think the, my big problem is that the, the first round, five plays 12, six plays 11, seven plays 10, eight plays nine. That's going to be in the higher seeded home games. One, two, three, four, get a bye. They're all going to say, well, no, no, no. We want to play home games too. That's that's that the one round flaw. should be at home. Right. That's the one flaw with that I is think, the, the one proposal. flaw. I do. I do believe because bowl industry still 
had their little special interest because no one is going to be watching that game. If you're Alabama, you're going to keep watching other people host playoff games going, we want that. Yeah, right. Right, and that's lost. We that's a ton that. of lost revenue, season ticket sale, lost stuff. I mean, it, it that that oh. that is the one for sure. That is the one flaw is that you know second round games probably should be played at home, uh, and yeah, because you're gonna have you know you're gonna have teams consistently uh, not be able to get in the top four, but pretty consistently get in the other eight and have every other year maybe hosting a playoff game on the regular. Oh, yeah. I mean, think of those yeah. teams that finish. Five to twelve, the last with well, Notre Dame number one, right? Notre Dame is probably number one. They can't get the bye. They'll host a playoff game almost every year. Yeah, yeah. Jack Swarbrick, so part me, of the, they, part they of the guy that. that came up with they're, the plan. They're happy with yeah. that, yeah. So, yeah. all right, Dan, I'm, explain this to me like I'm five. Yeah, literally, honestly, why the reliance on the bowl structure? Why? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, honestly, I, I don't, I don't, why did, why did the ACC and the Pac-12, and let, let me say this, I, I called you guys dumbasses like four months ago when, <laughs> when your leagues almost blew up and you didn't do this. I rescind somehow, some way you pulled it out. So good for you. You are off my dumbass list. <laughs> it's a long Which list. Is rather freaking lengthy, by the way, <laughs> but we're not going to get into personal grievances here on the pod. <laughs> We washed this pats off my my dumbass list right now because we we washed clear for the new season. But sometimes you get on there. No, all right, I've been on there. They just can't. It's like I can't quit you. Like I don't know. They just they're just obsessed. These guys have they're they're their friends. It's cronyism. It makes no sense. It doesn't make financial sense. It doesn't make logistical sense. It doesn't make competitive sense. It makes economic sense. Nothing. Yeah. There's nothing. It's just, we got to take care of the guys. This is the, and, and back in the day when ADs made 125 grand a year and, uh, you know, 95 grand a year when, when they made sure that you and Sally got to go down to Arizona for a week or you got to go on a cruise ship or you got free golf clubs or whatever deal. it was, you could kind of understand it. ADs make million plus now. They don't need crap from these guys. There's nothing left for these bowl. They do nothing for you. Nobody wants to go. The players don't want to go. You outsource your most valuable product. They do not. The NFL does not let someone else run the AFC championship game. They're like, we're good. We've got 16 fully functional stadiums and are quite good at handling this. We're not moving this thing somewhere else because I don't know what. So it makes no sense. But once they get a taste of on home field playoff, I was at the Michigan tail. I went to Michigan football game as a fan with a couple of friends of ours and uh, uh, that go every year to like one game or almost every year. We're at the tailgate, all huge Michigan fans, right? It's a terrible game, but a thousand degrees out, but whatever. They're all excited. They love the plan. They're like, we can yeah. host a playoff game here. Yeah. Unbelievable. Uh, now this Michigan stadium. Michigan fans, they know about big games. They know a lot about crappy games like whatever that was yesterday, Colorado State. But it's like that Ohio State game and then some. What if, like, the idea of a Southern team coming to Michigan Stadium in the middle of December? Like, everyone was jacked up for it. Except for one guy, doesn't like the cold. That was it, one guy. I'm like, I think someone will take your ticket. Yeah. They can resell their tickets. They can. I mean, it's just a boom. And you go, no, no. But anyway, 
this will be huge. Again, we'll get more deep into this on Tuesday because it has huge ramifications for conference realignment, yeah. all the stuff. Yeah. But they got this done. And maybe you can't wait till Tuesday to announce it because these bozos will screw it up. <laughs> well, yeah, it could. Yeah, that was the fear. I think if they delayed it, oh, then they delay it again, then they delay it again, then minds change, the word starts to spread. I mean, they were a little ruffled about us breaking the news Wednesday about the meeting in general because, oh, no, it's out and people are going to change their mind. And I thought, and I told Pat this, it's like, I really hope I, you know, we didn't just screw up everything with, with this. It, but anyway, we can talk about it next week. I right. You got to do the journalism, but yeah, you're rooting for, like, yeah, you're not supposed to be partisan journalists, but you're like, geez, this is going to be rocket fuel for the sport. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Absolute rocket fuel. You know, it is. It's going to be huge for the sport. It always would be. Uh, it's a terrific playoff plan. And uh, so that is going to be a monster change to the sport. So we had to get to that. We did. We have to do our most important stories first, not the biggest games. We are. We do the big stories first, like Iowa scoring seven points without a touchdown, <laughs> then a seismic change in how we crown champions in this sport. <laughs> Priorities like here. Evening news. It's like the CBS evening That's news. Right. Like they, you know, <laughs> what's the what's the rundown? The rundown. Hot story. Top. Okay, let's get to football. We'll get. We're gonna go deep on Tuesday on this whole thing because there is a lot of angles on the playoff plan. Um, so tune in then. Ohio State, Notre Dame, close game, closer than expected. I wouldn't necessarily call it like a thriller, but it was. Uh, it there was some tension in the stadium. Man, the second quarter, it was Pat. You were there, mm-hmm. quiet in the uh, in the shoe for the hundredth anniversary. Notre Dame, I thought played a very very good football game. I thought Tyler Buckner looked like a first time starter. They just did not have any offense. Ohio State's offense didn't exist either. At least they ran the ball and won it. Good win. I don't think you can really hammer anybody for winning by 11 against the number five team or a good team. But this was not what Ohio State fans, who are basically expecting 59-3 to all year, expected. I don't know. Pat, your thoughts from Columbus? Yeah, it was funny. Like, Ryan Day was tickled afterward. He was really happy because... He got to see whether his team has any real kind of grit to it. And I think he got the answer in the affirmative. You know, I think the the expectation was, yes, Ohio State is just going to track meet people. They're going to be fast and they're going to be explosive and it's going to be big plays and it's going to be pretty. And that was none of this. That, you know, this was, for the most part, Notre Dame defensively did a great job keeping everything in front, limiting big plays. I uh, I think Ohio State had one play longer than 25 yards the whole game. Uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba, their star wide receiver. The last time we saw him, he had 347 receiving yards in the Rose Bowl. This game, he gets hurt early, barely plays. So they do it without him. When they have to run the ball at the end, they can do it. Their defense, which had been soft last year, which had been pushed around, stifled Notre Dame. And I think that might say a lot about Notre Dame uh, as well. But uh, they anyway, Day was just tickled because he got to see his team do things that were question marks, to, to run the ball and be physical, to be tough on defense, to grind out a game when they're just not popping off huge uh, chunk plays all over the place. So he, he was very happy uh, with that. C.J. Stroud was, was not great, but he did make some very nice plays on the run when he got flushed out of the, out of the pocket. Notre Dame had a couple of key strategic errors, one key strategic error. We can get to that probably, but... Uh, for the most part, this was Ohio State just doing what it had to do. Now, did they look like Georgia or Alabama? No. But now Georgia was playing a real team. Alabama wasn't. So 
Jay's like, hey, we beat the number five team in the country by 11 points. We're good. We're fine here. And it was tense in the stadium for quite a while. But then, you know, once they exerted their will kind of in the mid-third quarter to fourth quarter, uh, everybody walked out of there happy. Yeah, the the uh, last two drives, right? I think it was their last two drives, Ohio State, in the yeah. um, in the second half or, or last two drives of the game were incredible. Uh, 14 plays, one of them, 10 plays, another. Uh, 70 yards, one, 95 yards, another. And they, they kind of just pounded the ball in there, especially late in that last drive. They just kind of like, it was almost like watching a old school football again, like uh, uh, just pounding the ball, you know, between the tackles and uh, kind of wearing, it almost did seem like, you know, in the second half, they kind of wore Notre Dame down a little bit, um, which I guess you I did. Everybody kind of expected, but I'd, I'll be honest, I, you know, I think I picked this game, I picked Ohio State to cover, right? I didn't have um, a whole lot of faith in the Irish and came away really impressed, probably came away more impressed with Notre Dame in this game as a loser than, than even Ohio State. I, I was impressed with the Irish and it bodes well maybe for uh, later down the line here. Yeah, I, I'll agree with that. Uh, first, just to Pat's point, absolutely. And it, it means something for those those two drives. As Ross said, 70, 95 yards. Like, this is this is Ohio State. Yeah, they want to be able to huck it around. They know they have to be able to pass the ball. They know you have to win in 2022 with a 2022 offense, and it's exciting. They want all that, but it it hurts their core when they can't run the ball and they're getting pushed around. That that part of the Michigan loss pain was how they lost to Michigan. And so it's just like, hey, we're not th- – Notre Dame is playing a great game other than when they blitz the safeties on that that go-ahead touchdown. Bad play. Other than that, the safeties are out. Otherwise, that might have made it a 10-10 game. But at that point, Ohio State was going to win. I really believe that. They were just getting things done. You know, the body blows were, were leading up, as Chris Fowler kept saying. But it's not working through the air. We're, we're going to, okay, fine, let's do this. And they did this. They have great running backs. Uh, so I think that was a very good thing for, for Ohio State. And you know what? Look, you'll deal with whether you have the offense to beat Georgia or Alabama when you have to play Georgia or Alabama. They don't have to play those guys for four months. Right. Yeah. Right. That ain't coming until January. So from here on out, they'll be a heavy favorite. Michigan has a much better offense than Notre Dame does, it looks like. So that might be something. But other than that, it's like take care of business. You're going to score a million points this year. I don't blame Ryan Day. I agree, though, with Ross. I thought Notre Dame was really impressive. A, the fight was incredible. Uh, they clearly played hard. They had a good strategy. They have a very stout defense. They have a, some some really good players. They just didn't have a quarterback. And, I, you know, I don't. I don't like picking on the players. Tyler Buckner was fine early, but then he, you know, it's just, it's a tough job to get thrown in your first college start into that environment against that team. So can he improve? If he does, they're going to be really good. Yeah. And, um, you know, they'll, we'll see what they are out when they play Clemson in what, like six weeks or something like that. Or is that November, November, like November 5th, I think two months there, you know, you know, that could be a real interesting you know, we'll see that, but I, I like Notre Dame. I thought, I thought they did a nice job and, and I think they're going to have a very successful season. And you talk to Notre Dame fans before this thing, they're like, I just don't want to get embarrassed. I don't want to get blown out. And you weren't, you know, yeah. um, you weren't, I, I think, you know, one of the things, the big day was there was an incredible amount of recruits at Ohio stadium, including, I think 10, 10 kids that are like 
five-star recruits at some grade or another. And, and Keon uh, Kelly, is it Kelly or Kelly or Kelly, who was a Notre Dame recruit who went to Ohio State. And so Ohio State's using to say massive recruiting weekend. LeBron James is there, the 2002 team. But if you're Notre Dame and you get to play in front of all those guys too, I guarantee you a couple of them were like, man, I love the fight of this. I love that other team. Yeah, It happens, you know, sure. and you start watching a game and being like, man, look at how hard they're playing. So all in all, very good night for, for Notre Dame if you're going to lose by 11 points. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I agree. Look, they, they did. They had a good plan and they did play extremely hard. Their defense is good. I mean, they've got guys on all three levels. Uh, of the defense that can make plays, and they're they're stout uh, up front. Uh, the yeah, the offense to me is an issue. Um, here's here's your stat for you. If you if you if you want to get into the sky is falling because you always have to when you lose. All right, Marcus Freeman's been the head coach. Tommy Reese has been the offensive coordinator, kind of almost the co-head coach. The the guy in charge of the offense for two games now. They've been outscored thirty-seven to seven in the second half. Can't get anything done offensively in the second half. It was 14 nothing this game. It was 23-7 to in the Fiesta Bowl against Oklahoma State. Tyler Buckner is okay, but he's not necessarily a big-time quarterback. Their receivers are okay. A couple of them made nice plays to make catches, but they're not burners who are going to separate. Michael Myers, a big-time tight end, obviously. Uh, their best run, their best offensive lineman didn't play, Jarrett Patterson. So that's another thing. You know, you're going to get better that way. But your running backs, do you have anybody who can make someone miss? I don't know. They didn't do a whole lot of that. Notre Dame's going to be fine. They're going to win a lot of games. And yes, the the again, the plan and the and the toughness were were both there. Other than that disastrous third and eleven, third and Grantham double safety blitz when you you could hold them out of the end zone and you just gave them a, a easy one on one play, but. Notre Dame's going to win a lot of games. I, I I don't know whether that offense can get them to the playoff. Yeah, pretty good. All right. Big-time performance down in the swamp. There were two huge SEC Pac-12 games. Both went to the SEC. This one was the the bigger, maybe, stunner, uh, if you want to call it that. Florida Gators 29, Utah 26. Uh, really, really exciting game. If you're watching both on Saturday night, you had to pop back and forth pretty quick. Anthony Richardson was terrific. Just everything we were hoping he would be last year, 17 of 24, 168 yards passing, rushing 11 for 106, three touchdowns, uh, including uh, the, the, the an eventual game winner, 125 less. Utah was about to either tie or win the game through a pick in the end zone. Uh, really, really tough loss for Utah. I guess it's, they, they played a whale of a game. Uh, had every right to win, probably was about to win, didn't get it done. Uh, that's that had to have been a bitter flight home because they, I well, thought Utah played well, really well. And they haven't gotten on the plane fun. yet, Dan. Have you what? guys? Seen, oh wait, have you guys seen the Utah team charter flight? Listen to this. Was unable to depart. Now this was about an hour and a half before you know taping. They had not boarded the plane. They were strewn. The whole team was spread out on in the Gainesville airport sleeping because of mechanical issues with the aircraft. So they have not gotten off the ground, oh. and university officials are trying to figure out a way to get them back to Salt Lake City. So, oh, injury, <laughs> right? Bus injury, ride. Yeah, you, bus ride. yeah, it's just brutal, man. It's uh, it's brutal. Insult to injury, you know? You go on the road, you lose to an SEC team in a tight game, and then you can't get home. Oh, and yeah, you're bruised. I mean, that was a Oof. tough physical. Yeah. Guys are cramping. 
Oh no. Yeah. Okay. It's 10 it's 10:25 a.m. right now east time. East um ooh. That, yeah, it, it's not cool. a luxurious airport to to spend no. the night in either. Oh no. It's a tiny no, little no. airport. Yeah. Yes it is. Oh man. But but I I piggyback off of Anthony Richardson. I mean to me he was the player of yesterday, you know, the player of week 1. It, it was uh he's so fun to watch. I keep replaying in my head um the two point conversion uh, play that he that he had, where he he jumped and kind of faked, fake jump pass, pulled it down, spun away from a tackler, ran away from another, fired a dart in there in the back of the end zone for a huge two point conversion to put them up three. The kid is incredible. You com- you combine old Billy Napier with with Anthony Richardson, and um, I think I think there are some big things coming for. Uh, for the Gators this year, it's too bad they play, they have to play Georgia on their schedule. But um, but uh, impressive, really, really fun game. Outside of the outside of the Iowa game, this was my favorite game of the day. It was it was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> this was the opposite of the Iowa game. This game had all sorts of exciting things happening. It was really good. I mean, I'm watching a lot of. I'm like, I got to watch Ohio State Notre Dame, right? And then I'm like, I'm spending all my time watching Utah Florida. And, and my, my wife is a huge tennis. She likes tennis. So she comes and she's like, Hey, what, who's playing in the U S open tonight? She wants to watch tennis on Saturday night. I'm like, <laughs> like Ohio state, Notre Dame. That's who's, <laughs> that's Ohio who's state, playing. Notre Dame. Are in the tennis. <laughs> right. She's like, well, ah, right. And then, uh, then she's like, that's not Ohio state and Notre Dame. I'm like, ah, so you're catching me anyway. I'm watching all this, but I was just such an entertaining game. I think if you're a Gator fan, you're just so fired up that your team's like, this is going to be fun. Yeah. And if you, you need like a favorite player on some random team. Oh, and presuming you're not like in the SEC East, you're just like a fan of whatever. I, I don't know how you don't love Anthony Richardson. This guy is everything you want out of college football because it's just, this, he's just awesome. Yeah. Absolutely. And he stuck it out. This is what we thought he could be last year. And now maybe this is what he is. Yeah. No, it was great. I, I, that that play that Ross described there on the two point conversion, you know, the 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 billing with him was he could be Cam Newton. That was a Cam Newton kind of play where strength and athleticism and you know agility, everything, the whole package, and then the arm to throw it in there. Uh, so yeah, huge win for them, and just a yes, yeah, a bad missed opportunity for Utah. I mean, look, you you take on the challenge. You go across the country. You're going to play in the humidity. In, on Labor Day weekend there, you're in the game. And just to throw that interception, you can't throw that. You know, I, I immediately thought of Brian Sipe in the NFL playoffs back in the 1970s for Cleveland, the mistake by the lake there where you just – you get a chance to tie the game and play in overtime. You can't throw the interception. But, you know, they, they, they at least they gave us a good, exciting night contest, and, and Utah very well may still be the best team in the Pac-12. Yeah, I hate the fade, the fade pass, but it's like fade pass in the end zone like works so low percentage, but in that one. But in, in, to credit Amari Bernie, who made that intercept, I mean that was a great intercept. It was, yeah, very good because he did. Uh, Cameron Rising did throw it low, very low. It's a, it's hard to pick that pass off, and Amari Bernie did it. So, just really, a really good game. I think Utah's gonna be fine. I know ever, you know. I think they're going to be fine. That was a great game. Florida is a top 15 team. They just, they're not ranked yet, but they'll get there. A hundred percent convinced of that. That's they're ranked in the SI top team. 10, baby. So there you, there go. you go. 
that's what it really matters. Okay, the other only poll that matters, man. Searching for NBA playoff coverage, we've got you. The Old Man and the Three, presented by BMW, gives you an inside look into the world of sports. Hosted by former NBA sharpshooter and Duke legend J.J. Redick and sports writer Tommy Alter, The Old Man and the Three offers unprecedented access to the league. Tommy and J.J. discuss the NBA and interview some of the biggest names in the league, like Devin Booker and Luka Doncic. NBA final season is the perfect time to dive in, and you can listen to The Old Man and the Three wherever you get your podcasts. To hear episodes brought to you by BMW. Push the limits this NBA season with the brand that set the ultimate standard. BMW, the ultimate driving machine. On the other side of the fence, uh, breaking news, Georgia's good. (laughs) (laughs) Holy crap. (laughs) Old Stetson. Uh, Stetson's throwing like two yards, two yards screen passes, and they're just running it for like, I think a couple of those passes, they, they ran it 135 yards. Like they're out, they just kept running and running. It's, I mean, that was just ridiculous. Uh, they converted all nine first downs. Bennett was 25 or 31 for 368 yards. So he's averaging, you know, what's that, 11 or 12? 12 yards of an attempt, yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, 11 yards an attempt. They averaged 10 yards a play, like, I believe. A play. They averaged a first down per play. The game was over three plays into the game. It was just like, okay, this isn't happening. And it was just like, Bennett's still there, but it's like, okay, now Kendall Milton, Kenny McTosh, we don't need James Cook and Samir White. Uh, you know, we just, Brock Bowers is still there. The defense, it's like, we got you do get this Jalen Carter guy who's Jordan Davis, right? We don't need him anymore. It's just, they just were, it just looked absolutely like they didn't miss a beat from last year. And how I ever thought Oregon was going to ha- handle this, let alone Bo Nix. Yeah, I had. Was I drunk doing race for the case last week? Was we that, all we all did. Did we I all pick we, Oregon we, to cover? I think we did. We were clearly all hammered. <laughs> what the? We were hammered. Also, I mean, Georgia just uh, just on the field, the the freaks on the field. Uh, yeah. it, it really it's like watching Alabama, and they're the only two teams that have this where when they take the field. You're just enamored by the size of these guys. I mean, like, the one that blew my mind is Darnell Washington. I was like, who is this zero? Let me investigate. And started reading. 6'7", 270. I was watching the game with my yeah. dad, who's an old high school football coach. And and uh, he's like, is he, you know, what is he, like a defensive end? I'm like, no, he's a tight end, and they throw it to him. Like, what? it's incredible. Uh, just freaks, absolute freaks. Yeah, I mean, that's when I went down and did the Stetson Bennett story. It was late June. And that's, you're just walking around the facility and you're just looking at the bodies and like, oh my God, you know? Yeah, they, they lost some studs, but they the, 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 the facility is nothing but more studs. I mean, just phenomenal, physically impressive team. But then the execution too. I mean, that's the thing. They're explosive now. This this is the next iteration or the next evolution. We've said that Kirby has showed a lot of signs of Saban and one of them, all right, we, we're going to win with pounding defense and conservative offense. Well, now we're going to start opening up the offense and we're starting to see uh, some creativity and explosiveness on that side of it. And my man Stetson Bennett, 25 of 31, 368, two touchdowns, 202 passer rating. It's not just that he's good. He's a Heisman candidate, Dan Wetzel. He's a Heisman oh candidate. God. Oh, my God. 
Uh, he was throwing four yards. The ball. I want to see how far the ball flew in the air. It's like four yard pass gone. Thirty five down the middle. I mean, come on, Heisman. We'll see. Starting with the Heisman already. This is the thing. All right, I want to go back to this Darnell Washington guy because this is he's absurd. It is six seven two seven. Unbelievable. And he's the backup. It's unbelievable. He caught two passes. They only needed him to catch yeah. two passes yesterday. Yeah. Now he was out in if front. If he's on any other team other than Notre Dame, you are featuring Darnell Washington like 15 times a game. Now he's like, well, we got Brock Bowers. So you just, <laughs> you do your thing, Darnell. I'm, he did some blocking too. I, I don't he, know he's what. Brutal. Oh my God. If you're a safety and this guy is coming oh, through the middle. Man. Did you guys see what Kirby said uh, after the game? Uh, I guess he was asked about what he what he said to Dan Lanning or something like that. And, and he said, he knows we have better players. Like, yeah. <laughs> Bingo. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> boom, 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 man. No. <laughs> yeah. You know, Dan Lanning was like, like in the pregame talking up his D backs. Okay. You're going to, you're going to nail Darnell yeah. Washington. You're going to stop him. If he comes over, you got this grit win the day. <laughs> Uh, this poor 195 yeah. pound kid from suburban Portland's like, what the? <laughs> what is this? He just jumped over me. Yeah. <laughs> what, that guy? Yeah. <laughs> the guy's in the NBA. Come on. Uh, yeah, absolutely absurd performance. So I think I'm ready for the. Can we fast forward to the uh, Georgia Alabama game at the yeah. SoFi Stadium <laughs> right. in Los Angeles? Maybe Anthony Richardson can stuff, strip him up. That's about it. Uh, that's just that that was just absurd. All right. You talked uh, earlier about the uh, travel problems of Utah. How about this one from uh, Quinn Ewers at Texas? <laughs> 16 to 24, 225 uh... yards, two touchdowns, an interception. Not bad. Not not, you know, but not bad. First game, Louisiana Monroe. Little stiffer test coming next week when they play uh, uh, Alabama. But uh, we don't know if he'll be there. I mean, because he sends out a tweet and anyone who's tried to park in Austin knows this is probably a true thing. <laughs> oh, yeah. He sends out a tweet at 1256 a.m. last night, September 4th. How do I get towed during the game? <laughs> the Austin police towed Quinn Ewers. Someone needs to get Quinn Ewers, my buddy's fake boot. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Absolutely. We need an NIL deal on the fake boot. Then the cops leave you alone. Then you unscrew the boot and you get home, Quinn. And I'm guessing he's got a nice car. Yeah. He's got an also, Aston Martin. Tells me, that yeah, was, it, is that it? They towed his Aston I, Martin. I don't know if they towed that. Who knows how many cars he has? I mean, yeah, <laughs> right. Yes. He got cars from Ohio State. He's got cars from Texas. He's got cars when he was in high school, probably. Yeah. But, you know, first of all, number one, this probably is never going to happen again. And number two, when he gets his car back, I wonder what. Nice little uh, stack of maybe uh, cash will be just sitting on one of the seats. Like, sorry. <laughs> I can cops. see the letter. Sorry. The cops are going to pay him off? Yes. <laughs> sorry, Quinn. Yes. Austin Good luck PD next pays week. pays him off with, like, Hook some em. drug seizure money. Yeah. <laughs> Hook him. They towed Quinn Ewer's car during the game. <laughs> Where well, did he park? Don't they have a spot for him? You would think. Let's get this together, Longhorns. This is why you can't win. This doesn't happen at Alabama. Alignment. That's what they all talk about. Alignment. alignment. We got to be aligned with the yes. parking department. <laughs> what was he like? He's like squeezing into like the freaking fifty dollar lot. Like try. Like what? Double parking. Get Quinn a parking <laughs> spot, would you? 
I I tweeted Sunday that the, 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 the hottest rivalry in college football this year is UT parking versus UT players. Because if you remember, <laughs> Ajay uh, Hall, if I pronounce that right, uh, did not play in this game, probably because he was suspended, probably because he bludgeoned the parking boot off of his car when he got it booted uh, back during, the, I think it was August or maybe July. So the, the, the rivalry is on. Between the parking, the parking cops. boot, get get your own boot, get your own boot. That's the key it's to parking time for a major an event. Investigative story to look into the parking situation around the Longhorn Stadium. It man. is God. <laughs> That's the big story heading into their game this next week. Yes, there true. is no, there is no parking there. It is a tough spit. I mean, it's and then they it's made right it downtown. Worse. It's a great state. They made it worse with you guys. Know they built that uh, arena, that new arena. They had to. I was yeah. there in yeah. uh, the spring, maybe, and they toured me around. They had to, uh, they put the arena in the middle of a road, a road. So now they, they rerouted the road around the arena. That's how tight it is down there. It's just, it's brutal. I love that place. Like I'm covering that game uh, Saturday and I can't wait to get to Austin. I love Austin, but holy crap that the, the 40 acres don't seem like it's 40 acres. No, no, that's a tight 40. Yeah. Uh, also now, uh, uh, a nice sidebar to this, uh, a young lady named Brandy Mack at Brandy Mack with a whole bunch of E's quite with great chivalry. And, and this is modern times. She shot her shot and said, do you need a ride home? I got you <laughs> on Twitter. Uh. Brandy Mack. Now the Twitter fa- fans of Twitter uh, rallied around Brandy. Uh, very proud of her for taking a taking a crack at at, at getting Quinn's uh, attention. Uh, they started discussing how beautiful she is in person. Uh, we're getting. It is said dur- she's a great person. It is said during huge snowstorms you can find Brandy out shoveling the driveways of the elderly. Uh, here's another one, Brandy. Thank you for letting me borrow your second Porsche the other day. <laughs> Really appreciate you looking out for us at the orphanage. <laughs> Brandy, thank you for helping at the animal shelter. Uh, hey, Brandy, just wanted to thank you for rescuing my cat from the burning building last month. In debt to you. So we're hoping that Quinn, you know, sees the full package here with Brandy. Yeah. She's got a reliable ride. She's apparently sober and available at one in the morning to pick you up. And uh, she's a great person, so keep us posted, Brandy Mac. Thank you, Brandy. <laughs> I love and it. She, and she went over Quinn Ewers. Thank you for the help your of service. Twitter. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> it's doing more than the UT athletic department. <laughs> uh, all right, we're gonna get. Uh, there's a lot of games here, man. Got to get to this one though. The craziest game of the day. Uh, my lock of the week went up in smoke, but it, but it was in good, good, good fashion. Carolina versus Appalachian State is up in Boone. Wild scene. Uh, Mac Brown used to coach there. Great game. 63-61. Tar Heels win. Uh, talk about a shootout. 124 total points. This includes nine touchdowns in the fourth quarter. <laughs> it's the most ridiculous Six thing of I've them ever heard of. There were 10 points in the Iowa State. game. 10 points in the Iowa game. The yeah, whole game. Yeah, there was, there was 10 points. <laughs> There were three touchdowns in the final 31 seconds. <laughs> Unbelievable. Okay. Appalachian State, Chase Bryce hits Dashaun Davis 28 yards, makes it 56-55. 
App, App State can tie the game right there and presumably send it overtime. They go for the win and blow the two-point uh, conversion. Should have had yeah. it wide open. It's open. Just couldn't yep. connect. Huge disappointment. They try an onside kick. Carolina's Bryson Nesbitt catches it on the on the bounce and just runs it in. Get he down. He should have gone down. down. Yes, he should have. Yes, he should have. Get down. But he but you can't blame him. Yeah, He's even can. like Superman's in, you yeah. know. Eh, whatever. If we were right? 19 and we saw a ball 60. like that, we'd be gone. Are you kidding? You're on the hands team? This is your yeah. chance. You absolutely you're, you're, yeah, you're scoring, like, you're scoring you know, a touchdown. Yeah. You gotta get back to ta- gotta go back to Chapel Hill, be like, tell all the girls, you see me score that last touchdown. The Superman did. Not the guy, I'm the guy who took the knee uh, real smart football, fundamental football. But it's now 63-55. It's 28 seconds left. App State, two plays, 48 yards, 10 seconds. They get down there after the kick return, and they score with nine seconds left. Uh, another 26-yard pass from Chase Bryce. It's 63-61. They go for two to tie the game and fail. Same play. Didn't they use I think they used the same play? It, well, they tried right? the same play, yeah. but it got blocked, but it, and he had to go something else, yeah, try got, to run it. And, right. But absolutely crazy game. The fourth quarter started 41-21. It ended 63-61. <laughs> get, Carolina gave up 40 points in the fourth Ooh, quarter. Woo, Gene Chizik. Yeah. Woo. Oh, Gene. What if Pat, he's taking yeah, the bus Gene, to work. 40. Yeah. To a Sunbelt team. <laughs> Doesn't uh, bode well. If, if, they they if play App Notre State Dame this had year. Converted, if App State had converted that last two-point conversion, it would have set the NCAA record for most points in a quarter. Two teams combined. Wow. So wow. they wow. did deprive us of that. But, yeah, that I mean, North Carolina defense, if you saw them against Florida A&M, you knew they were bad. But holy moly, I didn't know they were that bad. Good God. At one point, at, um, yeah, Carolina scored on. Uh, well, they scored. They scored four straight touchdowns in this game. You think you're going to win when you do that? Um, yeah, just just an absolute crazy game. That's terrific. College football. Yeah. Is Drake May is very good. Freshman quarterback yeah. for uh, for North Carolina. Yeah, and get the <laughs> got to get the defense together. But um, yeah. yeah, he's going to have to be very good for them to win. Games. Yeah, right, right. Uh, all right, one uh, one other. The Michigan QB Derby. Cade McNamara started. He was the starter last year. He got to start the first game against Colorado State. JJ McCarthy came in late, uh, and he will start next week in their next preseason. I think they're playing Hawaii. Michigan's schedule is awful. No excitement for Michigan for a while, but uh, they're using the time. Uh, McNamara was not good. Nine of 18, 136 yards. A lot of that was on a one, one completion to uh, Roman Wilson. They got in the red zone four times, only scored one TD. Uh, McCarthy came in late, just looked like a better player. Uh, and then McNamara, oddly, in the post-game press conference, said I'm. he called this, uh, this QB derby pretty unusual. It's the kind of thing I wasn't expecting by the end of camp. I thought I had my best camp. I thought I put myself in good position. That was a decision oh, coach wow. went with. Hmm. Wow. Hmm. I didn't hmm. see those comments. Wow, that's interesting. It is unusual. Probably he's right, not helping. He's right about that. that. But, yeah, that's not going to yeah. help. That's not going to yeah. help at all. Wow. Um, hmm. But now we see. Yeah. We Didn't we the see judge, a little bit? Yeah. Dan, I mean, you were there. But I'm guessing we saw a little bit why it's happening, right? Cade struggled. I, I think all along they were going to, yeah. J.J. McCarthy's got more upside. He's got more, he's, he's a better runner. There's just more threats. I, I just think if you're Michigan, they have a good defense. They have a good team. 
Do they have a great team? I don't know. But if you're walking into Columbus in a couple months, uh, you're playing Michigan State in a couple months, the games that really matter, you're going to want McCarthy out there. I just I just think, you, you know, especially with weeks of, of rep and, you know, I think McCarthy takes over next week and, and doesn't give up the job. Um, we'll see how bad Hawaii is, but Colorado State did not offer a whole lot. Uh, first year coach, uh, like forty five guys knew. I mean, it just it just wasn't a it really wasn't much of a game. So, um, so that'll uh, that'll be worth uh, keeping an eye out for. All right, end of uh, end of the season, they hand out the Heisman Trophy. We do not like to wait an entire year to hand out the Heisman Trophy. I think Pat's already given it to Stetson Bennett. That's right, baby, <laughs> get on board. It's already filled out the Bennett train, uh, and that could be his pick. We do the small sample Heisman here. Who won the Heisman this week? And so uh, I, I pause it to you. Pat, we'll start with you. Who won their Heisman this week? All right. I'm not giving it to Stetson right away. Instead, I'm, I'm going to give it to Spencer Sanders of Oklahoma State. And I'm going to enlarge in the sample just a little bit uh, to go back to the last game of last year. So Spencer Sanders, been the quarterback at Oklahoma State, uh, Last season, Big 12 championship game, he could not have been worse. No touchdowns, four interceptions, a big reason they lost that game and didn't make the playoff. Lost to Baylor. He bounced back from that incredibly well in the Fiesta Bowl against Notre Dame. Threw for 371 yards and four touchdowns. Ran for 125. And, whoa, baby, is he carrying it over to this year. Uh, I know they're playing Central Michigan, not a great team, but still, you know, a, a respectable program. So Spencer Sanders threw for 406 and four touchdowns, ran for 57 and two touchdowns, six TDs in the season opener. Spencer Sanders, good job. Small sample Heisman winner, Oklahoma State. Easy one for me. We've talked about him quite a bit on the on the show already, but uh, it's Anthony Richardson of, of Florida. Just uh Terrific performance, just so fun to watch. Uh, electric, uh, you, you guys mentioned Cam Newton. You know, I, I think that's a, a pretty good comparison. Uh, and it seems like uh, Richardson's kind of uh, like o- over the last year or so packed it on. He, he looks like thicker too, you know. Like he, I feel like last year was a little a little on the skinny side, but I, I didn't see that last night at all. So uh, he, he running the football, just his – you know, he had, I think, over 150 maybe passing and 100 running, basically. Three scores on the ground. Uh, I mean, the two-point conversion, right, would just, would just continues to replay in my mind, and it's just a little sample of, of what, uh, what he can do. Uh, fine choices. I was going to go with Clayton Toon of Houston, who uh, the other wild, wild game this week was uh, Houston beating uh, UTSA and I think double overtime. Um, uh, courtesy of the uh, two-point conversion. Um, I've said before, I think Houston's the best group of five team this year. He had a nice game, but I'm actually going to go with KJ Jefferson uh, of Arkansas as the uh, as my small sample Heisman. And really for all Arkansas, great scene up in Fayetteville. Uh, they hosted Cincinnati. Really good game. Just a good football game. Cincinnati uh, was not uh, Arkansas is a better team, but Cincinnati played very well considering they're replacing nine NFL draft picks. Really showed the the salt how solid that program is under Luke Fickle. But KJ Jefferson, two hundred twenty three yards, three touchdowns, eighteen to twenty six. He ran for sixty two yards. 
He's not quite Anthony Richardson yesterday, but he was pretty close. Raheem Sanders scored 20 for uh, uh, rushed 20 times for 117 yards. Excellent. Just all around performance by Arkansas. I think you got to feel really good if you're the Hogs winning that game, but I'll, I'll give your quarterback a sort of team Heisman. So congrats to uh, KJ Jefferson. All right. We have said uh, lots of mean things on this podcast as we usually do, but this is our chance to redeem ourselves Sunday morning. Can we say something nice? Ross, are you capable of saying anything nice on this podcast? <laughs> Iowa, thank you, Kirk Ferentz. <laughs> thank you for delivering the best game of week one. Uh, you and your son, thank you very much for delivering to us an incredible <laughs> performance. Um, and uh, just th- that that game was, was awesome uh, in the worst way. And kudos to Tory Taylor, who just missed my early Heisman. Uh, Ten punts. Averaged 47 yards a punt. Uh, just just wonderful. You know, any any uh, any game where we have uh, you have the same amount of first downs as you do points, uh, you um, you you need you deserve everything. You know, you deserve it all. <laughs> Get your flowers. Get your flowers. Pat, can you say anything nice? Uh, I I can, and it's actually going to be legitimately nice. Not a not oh. a, not a left handed backhanded uh, nice, but legitimately nice. So. Uh, USC, the Trojans, how many defensive touchdowns did they score in 2019? Zero. How many defensive touchdowns they score in 2020? Zero. How many defensive touchdowns they score in 2021? One. So they've had one in the last three years. How many defensive touchdowns do they have in their first game under Lincoln Riley and defensive coordinator Alex Grinch? Three. Shane Lee, Raylan Goforth, and Caleb, Kalen Bullock. All pick sixes against poor Rice. A little bit overwhelmed there, Rice. Gave up 66, but three of them were defensive scores. Look, the whole thing about Lincoln Riley and all those transfers coming in was just we're going to be offense, offense, offense. Well, defensively, they showed they can make some plays, too. That's a big step forward for them. They still got to show they can stop people on a regular basis, but if you can take the ball away and put it in the end zone, that's a pretty nice bonus. So something nice, USC defense, way to go. All right, I am feeling so nice, and I, I just got to mention this one. So I'm going to give a, uh, a, a say something nice to uh, Old Dominion's official ambassador, the dog Hudson. <laughs> Old Dominion uh, defeated Virginia Tech 20 to 17 on Friday night. Uh, Virginia Tech, not good. Oof. Not good. Mighty Five turnovers, fallen. 245 yards, uh, and an errant snap on a field goal. So not a good deal. Old Dominion, uh, one's late, exciting day. But uh, Hudson the dog, uh, it's so hot on the turf, they footed him with special Crocs. (laughs) He wears Crocs. You know those little plastic shoes that kids wear? Because they're fantastic when you got little kids. Like, you can't stain them. I mean, they're just great. Put on your Crocs. They Velcro the Crocs onto his little paws. They're Old Dominion blue, and he, he was able to run around on the turf without burning his little foot. I thought that was great. <laughs> Look at you getting all soft. Oh, dang, that was just nice. That was Puppy nice. love. Hudson what kind of dog, dog is, this? is all right? I don't know. I don't know. But well, should I just mention how bad Virginia Tech is? Yes, yes, you should. Okay, they suck. But Hudson the dog on Old Dominion, <laughs> great win for for them. Yeah, the Virginia um, Tech reboot with Brent Pry and Grant Wells at quarterback, not off to a great start. Yeah, uh, that program's got work. To it's do. a yellow lab. Boy. 
the they dog, got, a yellow lab. Yellow lab. It looked lab. like a puppy okay. almost, huh? A nice looking dog. Yeah. Yeah, he's yeah. got his Crocs on. I think it was because the heat. So a Croc, you don't see a Croc wearing dog every day. <laughs> At least I don't. No, no, you don't. That's true. A little bit, a little old Dominion blue. And they got a nice blue. They got like that Carolina oh, yeah, blue. Yeah, their uniforms were sharp. I did like the uniforms. Yeah. Yeah. How about them? Aren't Hopefully they on like a six-game winning streak dating back to last year or something? Yeah. Roll. Ricky Ronnie, baby. Yeah, got it going. Ricky Ronnie, yeah. Break up the Monarchs. Getting it done. Uh, but I'm actually going to say something nice about the backyard brawl. Oh, yeah. Good Kicked off the season way back on Thursday. I know it's hard to remember. Uh, we talk about the dysfunction of this sport and how the people that run it try to destroy it. Every person in the country is like, this is awesome. Yes. Two schools, 75 miles apart. They, they're good programs. They try hard. They don't get attention because one's in one's West Virginia, which is a very small state. One's Pitt that sits in a pro market and shares a stadium with the Steelers that kind of gobble up a little attention and surrounded by Penn State and Ohio State. So there's these two programs that, that but they try. They got fans. It's, it's exciting. They often produce great players, each one. I mean, the list, certainly the pit guys are crazy, um, but they, they, you know, you want to see them shine and, and this is a chance and they can, they have this great rivalry and they hate each other. And there's history. Ross did this incredible story on the, the, the 07 game, uh, you know, Pat McAfee missing field goal, the whole thing. And, and Ross, you were there. Yeah, it was all, it was. And we was went awesome. 11 years without them playing. We took something great about college football and said, "You, we, let's not do it for 11 years. Yeah. <laughs> It was it was it's like saying Yankees, Red Sox, no more Yankees, Red Sox for 11 years. No more uh, Cardinals, Cubs. (laughs) Who wants that? Let's get more Astros versus Brewers or something. (laughs) It's absolute magic when these teams play and they took it away for 11 years. Why? Uh, Because, you know, market shares and uh, what? Okay, so they're back and it is phenomenal. The team that. Heinz Field looked incredible in, the, in all the blue and yellow. It was an exciting game. I feel for Bryce Ford Wheaton, the great West Virginia wide receiver who had a hell of a game, a third-generation Mountaineer football player. His grandfather played for them and his father and him. He he plays a great game, but the ball tips off his hands. Key play, and uh, MJ uh, Devonshire takes it all the way back, 56 yards for a game-winning touchdown. The whole country's watching. Great the return of the backyard brawl. Somebody make it the Thursday night, seven o'clock opener for the season for a long time to go. Like playing the egg bowl on 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 Thanksgiving. I love that idea. Yeah, I love it. I do. First of do all, it, you. done, and don't let these commissioners and TV execs and ads and whatever say sorry. We don't need that game. Yeah, no, ridiculous. Hey, real quick, that that does remind me. I was I was originally thinking of saying something nice about this. Uh, the Big Ten. Gave us three very exciting Big Ten League games. Uh, and I think, I'm not sure any of the teams involved are actually good, but they gave us three dramatic games. All right? Penn State-Purdue, which you could look at Purdue and say, my God, if you could run the ball at all, you win that game. But Penn State, give them credit. They come back and, and drive down and win the game. Uh, Illinois-Indiana. Illinois got the thing won. And Connor Bazelak, Missouri transfer, leads the last-minute Indiana drive for the winning touchdown. And then they sing the fight song afterwards because uh, Tom Allen's a, a wonderfully hokey uh, man. 
And then on back on on the opening week zero, Northwestern beating uh, uh, Nebraska. Three games decided by ten points in league play. So that's a nice start for them. Again, I don't think any of the teams are necessarily good, but they gave us some exciting football. Let me say something about the brawl. The piggyback. How was? I was going to yeah. piggyback out. Yeah, on the brawl. Uh, it was, yeah, it was incredible atmosphere. But afterward, you know, everybody's pouring out of the stadium, and and I left fairly quickly. And uh, it, it was quite the scene. I got in my Uber. It took me two hours to get to the hotel because of traffic. And the Uber driver said in 40 years, he was a Pittsburgh native. Um, and in 40 years, he said it, it's the craziest, biggest event he's ever seen in that area of Pittsburgh. Uh, he said he's never seen anything like it. Even Pittsburgh Steelers games, whatever. He said he's never seen anything like this. And I was walking the streets and I could tell you ought to see, because it was it was a good split. It was probably like 70% pit, pit fans, 30% West Virginia, or maybe even 60-40. It was close. Close enough Uh-oh. to where you saw actual brawls in the street after the game. <laughs> I mean, there were there were some angry, we angry West Virginia people, and they were letting the pit people know they were angry, and there were some brawls or real close to being some brawls. It was like, this is what college football is all about. But, Dan, 11, let's take another 11 years off, right? Let's take another 11 years <laughs> off. Come back to us in 2033. We don't need this. Why do we want this? Yeah, I mean, they've hosted AFC Championship games, Stanley Cup finals right across the river. Yeah, I, I don't think the, I don't think they've had a World Series lately. But no, um, yeah, it was. I I believe it. We could probably do with less street brawls. <laughs> At least film it. Just, world star. Yeah, world star. Um, <laughs> please film it for me. <laughs> Just go out but, and burn uh, a couch if you're mad. Yeah, don't beat on each other. Yeah. You know, just a little, but a little, you know, a little yelling. Yeah, it was great. And you're just sitting there going, I, I love this sport, but why does it not love us back? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's not do this for 11 years. We got to make sure uh, Pitt's playing Wake mm-hmm. and uh, West Virginia, Texas Tech. Let's get that going. That's right. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Uh, so fortunately, I said, all right. We'll be back on. You know, see how nice, see how happy we are. The sports back. <laughs> yeah, that was a really a grumpy pretty, part of the pretty up yeah. with people podcast for us. We are positivity, positivity. Some of you Raise guys that complain, we're just mean. And how about that? Got nothing on us today. My dumbass list is zero right now. <laughs> Everything's great. We're gonna talk a bunch about this playoff conference realignment. Like this is the this is the big one. This is a big domino. Uh, and we appreciate you listening because, of course, we were told that once anybody got paid on an NIL deal, no one would watch college football anymore. <laughs> Amazing. So I'm going to have to get a little bitter at the end. <laughs> I was offended. Oh, I, respect to Dr. Pepper. Excellent first edition of the yes. uh, Fansville. Yes. They didn't. They did not need to bring me in for uh, consulting on the script. That was an excellent job so far. Good job. So everything's rolling. We're rolling, baby. Football back. It's we got rolling, a playoff baby. coming. All right. Keep rolling with us. Did, did he say it's rolling? Is that it? Yes. Old Tide, it's rolling. Yeah, yeah, it's rolling. It's rolling. Yep. If you don't know, you don't know. I'm not going <laughs> to repeat it. I'm just, no. Look it up. I think people got sued over that. Google I don't Mike know. Price. I, don't know. Yeah. Well, I, I didn't say his name. <laughs> I do wish we had the podcast when that, that broke. Oh that that would have taken up a good 45 that, yeah. minutes. <laughs> All right. We'll be back Tuesday. (laughs) Talk to you later.